are recording. Hello, listeners, wherever you are, and welcome to Fix This Flick, a podcast where one vegan, one gluten-free, and one former pescatarian millennial deconstruct your favorite films and tell you how we'd make them better. I'm your host, Ali, and after a long COVID hiatus, Rob, my faithful co-host, has returned. Finally! Welcome back, Rob. Hey, everybody. It's glad to be back. Yeah, we missed you. Where have you been? Oh, you know, I've just been uh, isolating myself, hiding from the world, pretending nothing exists. And it hasn't been difficult. It's a civic back. duty. And returning for her second appearance on the podcast... Finally! ...is Shannon Graham, who, as a professional musician, we had to have for her expert insights on this episode's movie, which we'll reveal shortly. It's true. Not only am I a professional musician, but I happen to share um, some trauma bonding with the protagonist of the movie we're discussing today. So, in case you're in doubt, my opinion matters more than anyone else who's about to talk for the next hour. That is all. Duly noted. And... Rob, you're actually something of a musician yourself, aren't you? Not exactly, no. Um, I'm what you could call a, a washed-up has-been. And what was your instrument of choice? I was a drummer back in the day, but I've successfully forgotten everything I learned. So if I surprise you right now with a drum kit, you just wouldn't be able to do anything? No, not a single thing. I do miss it, and this movie, watching it again, kind of brought me back a little bit. I miss it, and... Um, I appreciated the movie for that reason. Oh, cool. So maybe you'll you'll get another drum kit in the future. If fate would have it, then yeah. Okay, great. And it's great to have two musicians here because our movie this episode is Whiplash. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What's your name? Andrew Naiman, sir. You know who I am? Yes, sir. So you know I'm looking for players. Yes, sir. Just do your best. You're here for a reason. You believe that, right? I'm here for a reason. Little trouble there. You're rushing. Uh, ready? Okay. Five, six, and... Were you rushing or were you dragging? I, I don't know. If you deliberately sabotage my band, I will gut you like a pig. Oh, my dear God. Are you one of those single-tier people? His opinion means a lot to you, doesn't it? Yeah. I push people beyond what's expected of them. I believe that is an absolute necessity. You won't be able to give me the time of day because you have bigger things to pursue. That's exactly my point. You are a worthless, friendless piece of shit whose mommy left daddy and who is now weeping and slobbering all over my drum set like a nine-year-old girl. Start practicing harder, Neiman. Why would you let him get away with what he did to you? Because I want to be great. Are you a rusher? Or are you a dragger? Or are you going to be on my time? Going to be on your time. Keep playing! Keep playing! Keep playing! Keep 
Whiplash is a story of passion and obsession. Focuses on an aspiring drummer, Andy Neiman, played by Miles Teller, who has dreams of becoming the greatest drummer of all time. He joins an elite music conservatory where he catches the eye of Terence Fletcher, played by J.K. Simmons, a ruthless instructor willing to drive his students to greatness at any cost. The two enter a battle of wills that could destroy both of them or could lead them to that elusive greatness. Whiplash was an indie sensation that won three Oscars and propelled writer-director Damien Chazelle into stardom. He went on to make the critically acclaimed musical La La Land and is now working on another Emma Stone starring movie, Babylon, set in 1920s Hollywood. Yeah, that's Whiplash in a nutshell. And we were talking about what movie to do for this episode and we were thinking about some really overrated popular movies. And that's when Rob and I thought Whiplash might be fun because Rob, you're a drummer. And it's rare to see a Hollywood movie so focused on just drumming and figured it's a good opportunity. And especially when it's, in my opinion, one of the most overrated movies of the last decade. It's actually number 46 on IMDb's Top 250, which I don't know about you, Rob and Shannon, but I think that's ridiculously high, if you ask me. But actually, Shannon, you disagree, don't you? That's true. I liked it. And actually, when I found out you were doing this movie, I said I have to be there because I've actually lived through exactly what he went through, which is going to jazz school and suffering the appropriate amount. Yeah. Okay, it'll be very interesting to hear your insights on how realistic this movie is then. And yeah, we agreed on Will Ferrell's downhill on our last episode together, uh, you and I, Shannon, but it looks like we're going to have a quite a bit of conflict this time, aren't we? It's true. Fair warning, fists may fly, and there might even be some blood spurting here and there, and I'm not even menstruating. <laughs> Which is fitting, considering how I'm pretty sure Whiplash will go into the record books as the goriest and bloodiest jazz movie <laughs> of all time. Maybe one of my problems with it. I do not condone the violence in this movie. I am a pacifist vegan, so I will have no part of it. On that note, let's get really anti-pacifist and bloody. We're going to discuss what worked for us, things we'd improve, and then we'll pass our final judgment on whether the movie is fixable or damaged beyond repair. And we should mention, spoiler alert, from here on out. So this movie, Whiplash, it was not exactly a complicated movie. It was pretty simple in plot. It's just about... A character's quest for greatness and passion, which is uh, intensified and brought on by a very, very overtly intense and passionate instructor. And the important thing is that this young drum student idolizes this teacher. This teacher is like a gatekeeper in the jazz community. He runs the top big band of the entire school, which also happens to be one of the top jazz schools in the country. And now if this doesn't sound particularly important to you, you're probably living in the real world with everybody else. But if you've ever gone to jazz school, the reality is people are idolized and it can be a little bit ruthless. That quest to get to the top, to get to the biggest band is pretty real. And that's what that movie just kind of unfolds as the the young character, Andy, he gets into that top ensemble and he just gets immersed into this world and he starts sniffing potential success and then is immediately derailed by the instructor. There's the, the famous line, not quite my tempo, which I think has kind of become part of pop culture. What, what I remember reading about this movie is that it was originally a short film and the premise of it was mainly just this one scene where it's the first time Andy is drumming in front of this legendary instructor and everybody and there's just this sense of fear and apprehension in everybody like attention reverence and a reverence yeah 
And what what basically happens is it's like a I would compare it to the drill sergeant scene from Full Metal Jacket. Would you say that's an accurate comparison, Rob? It's definitely a good comparison, but one difference I think is that in Full Metal Jacket, the the instructor or the drill sergeant was a little bit more unpredictable. He was a he was an interesting character in that way. Where as J.K. Simmons in this movie, I feel like the movie at each stage it was almost just kind of trying to one-up itself you know scene after scene it was pretty his his nature was pretty predictable and just the intensity uh, increased throughout the movie that's true after the teacher takes the young drummer under his wing so to speak what follows is a series of tests and humiliations that seem to just get increasingly more absurd yeah he, he makes him cry he throws something at i think a chair at him i think he slaps him at some point too doesn't he oh yeah he slaps him in the face many times yeah so there's there's a lot of scenes of that and when i found out that this movie actually started as a i think an 18 minute short film and won acclaim and it was basically built on that one scene where terence fletcher first lays into andy the main character that made sense to me because it's a very good just one-off scene it's just that dynamic is there and it's kind of entertaining to see someone getting abused in that kind of full metal jacket style then they decided to make a whole movie of it it clearly worked for a lot of people this movie uh, was highly rated highly acclaimed personally i i think um the plot was a little bit one note i didn't realize it was a, a short film but that makes total sense the plot is pretty linear pretty predictable there aren't there aren't many twists and turns it's just a, a matter of intensity yeah it's a lot of i would call it melodrama where it's just continually pushing the stakes pushing the pain i was shocked at how much blood there is in this movie and not because it shouldn't be there but because i felt like it was thrown in there to kind of make it feel like it's you know an action movie or just to make it feel more visceral and real in my opinion, is that it was trying to feel like visceral and real because that is what the audience would respond to. I see the movie more as not melodramatic, but a picture of the obsession that's actually very real for these characters. The young drummer and the teacher are both products of an insular world, very niche, and they're obsessed with it. And by showing the absurdity and what Ali would call melodrama, I think the audience is being included in this obsession in a way that they could understand. Of course, it could have been more subtle, but people don't really seem to like subtle nowadays. Well, I wouldn't say it's necessarily about the subtlety or what it's showing. I would say it's just this movie beginning to end is just always upping this intensity. And so it feels very flat over the course of the first, I would say, 40 minutes to an hour. We're just trying to ramp up by doing the same thing and then there's another scene where it's basically the same thing of that same dynamic and then another scene where the plot moves on a little bit to where Andy actually replaces the person who was the main drummer and becomes the core drummer and but then it's more more abuse kind of replaying that same scene with different variations over and over and over again yeah yeah they use they use that trope a lot my major problem with that being like the only note of the movie is that I feel like the movie needed something to balance it. I feel like there was room for the movie to add some sort of wisdom about the the efficacy of that sort of attitude to attain greatness instead of just kind of leaving it to the viewer to judge. I'll, I'll ask your opinion because of what you said about this, Shannon, but I can see how it works for an 18-minute short film to just have this crazy intensity. 
But when you have like a long structured movie and it's a lot of the same thing, I think it just comes off as as just very hyper extended and it helps to have some sort of almost like a B plot or just something else the character is doing to be a layer to balance the other layers of the movie, maybe to even inform them or make you look at them in a different way. And I thought that there were other characters, like the girlfriend who he starts dating in the beginning could have been places to explore that. It's so funny because I just related to this movie so greatly because when I was back in that jazz bubble, because I went to a jazz school, I kind of was a flat character. I was really just going after this one thing and nothing else really mattered. To me, he is a well-rounded person because I was there. Well, wouldn't you say that when you were living your life, sure, your focus was on the music, but there were other considerations and other sacrifices you had to make to be in this life and that they must have impacted you in some way. But none of that matters in the pursuit of greatness, which is very much what this movie is trying to say. I'm not even saying I agree with that, but I think the movie was true to itself in that regard. Well, just so I could suggest as an example of what I mean, we could talk about the girl he's interested in starts dating in the beginning of the movie. Yeah, so this is a character that I think was criminally underused. Andy's love interest in the movie. um, This is somebody who he's seen at the movie theater clearly a few times. He's got a crush on her. Uh, After his first major success when he's uh, drafted to main band team, he summons the will to ask her out. And um, the the relationship doesn't really go anywhere. Uh, It kind of fizzles. He's worried that she will interfere with his quest for success and ultimately dumps her. So that to me, I, I was kind of questioning why would he wait until a moment of success to ask her out and then ultimately dump her because she might interfere with that success? Well, my take on it was that the character's self-worth was so linked to his worth as a drummer that when his drumming is going well and he's getting accolades at school, he's getting the validation there, he feels great. He has the confidence to ask a girl out. And when things are going bad, that's when he needs to leave her. You know what? I can't do this. I need to just focus more on my drumming because, of course, the answer is more time spent in a practice room when you're slowly going insane. I feel like for me, the most important thing in a movie is authenticity. And I felt like this constant one-upping, what I would call over-the-top melodrama, is almost like a sign of insecurity that the people who made this movie felt like, well, the story and the idea and the characters aren't strong enough to keep people interested, so we have to do all this extra stuff. I mean, if I was to suggest a fix here, it would be to dial down the intensity, the melodrama, the all-or-nothing stakes that come up throughout the movie, and especially in the climax moment, which I was waiting to talk about, but maybe we can talk about it in a second. Sure, you can definitely accuse this movie of going over the top and trying to prove its point but can you really blame it for doing that in this sort of climate where it's hard to get people to listen to what you're saying without being over the top i feel like i i I was willing to accept all the the uh the violence and the over over the top nature of the the movie and the characters jk simmons character especially but i was waiting for that scene of like jk simmons at home where where it shows like his broken home life that kind of explains some of his aggression and his hyper focus on on music and his his hobby or his career because he's escaping something you know like something to explain his character a little bit more but we didn't really get any of that and with the girlfriend who i felt was a missed opportunity to just give more of a sense of what the other life andy would 
be losing or was at risk of losing. But instead, we get this woman who he doesn't really know. The movie doesn't really focus on her. She's not a fully fleshed out character in the movie. And I get it. That, that might have been done, as you said, Shannon, to just reflect his obsession and single-minded nature. But the movie does this thing where she returns throughout. Like he want, when he's on his low moments, he texts her or he thinks about texting her. And then he calls her, invites her to a show. That but was I, one of his high moments, actually, because he got the gig. When he got high again, yeah. 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 And I think you can serve the purpose of what you said of her not being important, but also having a little bit of this other edge to what she brings and maybe exploring what life she wanted to have with him. But we don't get any of them. They were also 21. That's true. <laughs> they don't know what they want. But I agree. There's also the father character who is also kind of a nobody in terms of the overall story. But you see him witnessing his son and I think being concerned about the mental state of his son. And of course, he quits drums after the big climax of the movie. And the dad is there to support him. Um, but at the end of the day, I think the dad just sort of comes around and he sees the greatness. He sees what all the suffering was about. I think that's what the movie is trying to say. I kind of liked how they had him as this contrast in father figures with him and Terrence Fletcher. Terrence Fletcher clearly is a father figure. And I should say, just not to criticize everything about this movie, that I thought J.K. Simmons is great in this movie, in this role. I do think, as Rob said, that he's not really a fully fleshed out character. But it was some great head vein acting. It really was. I've never seen yeah. anyone make their head veins so prominent in many scenes. It almost looked like seams in a football. I think that's how you described it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it was mesmerizing. And then you contrast that with his real dad, who's just this person he sees movies with. He's this failed writer and he's very, I wouldn't say effeminate really, but he's very soft-spoken and very passive. And I get the sense that this is someone who the main character kind of just tolerates and just kind of accepts as a burden almost. That makes sense. It's very true. Like to me, this is a very sad movie almost. I, and I don't know if it means to be. That, that's what I mean when I say I don't know what the movie is trying to say about this lifestyle or this motivation almost. Almost Is it validating this method of attaining greatness or this motivation to attain greatness? Or is it kind of condemning it for the fallout that ensues in the other aspects of his life because of it, because of how much he sacrifices? It was, it was kind of hard to see where the movie was going to go from that point. Except for the fact that they kept dropping a hint in the form of a story, which is based in fact... There were two jazz musicians, one named Joe Jones, who was a drummer, and a saxophonist named Charlie Parker. So for any of you jazz heads out there, or maybe you don't know, Charlie Parker is known as one of the greatest saxophonists of all time, one of the greatest jazz musicians. And his teacher in this movie keeps saying that the reason Charlie Parker achieved that greatness is because when he was sucking hard at a jam session, Joe Jones threw a cymbal at him, saying learn your tunes, get better. The humiliation of that moment is what caused Charlie Parker to go home, practice, 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 and achieve greatness. So I think because of the way the movie ends, it is ultimately trying to validate it. Although we're not clear on that throughout the entire film. It's just the ending, but we'll save that for later. So Rob, you mentioned that there's a series of one-upping itself. And I think that this is paralleled in the fact that this boy drummer just needs to play faster and faster and faster. So tell me, as a drummer, faster is better, no? This movie would have you think so. That's what it's saying. And I, I, I get it to an ex 
extent. I think a few things. One thing, it's playing to an audience that is likely not very musical, or at least the average person isn't. So it makes sense to focus on a very specific thing like that, like speed is better. It's not really the case when it comes to drumming. Like it's it's important to be able to have that speed to play uh, a diverse range of music, but it's certainly not glorified or elevated as like the thing to attain is just be faster, faster. I agree with you. I it was I think it was actually a clever way of them using almost an athletic sensibility to explain what drumming is and oh well he's good because he can do it really fast little do they know that playing drums really slow at a steady tempo is actually more difficult arguably especially for a beginner yeah just speaking as someone who's not in the world of music i just found it a little silly that when it comes to a point where terence fletcher has andy competing against two other drummers for one position basically it's just becomes a competition of who has the most endurance and who can play the longest play the hardest play the fastest to the point where they're all bleeding and sweating and the time on the clock is running and it really made me feel like this movie's trying to make it seem as if it's some sort of endurance contest like a rocky or something mm-hmm. like a physical feat i see your point rob where you're trying to connect with an audience of something they can visually understand but I feel like it doesn't convey what music really is and what makes it unique as a medium of expression. That's just my opinion as someone who isn't a musician. It's true. And you're not a musician, but you still picked up on that, that faster isn't really the end all be all. And when we were watching that scene, when he's just trying to play faster, 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 Ali turned to me and he said, is that really like the most important thing? And I was like, no, of course it's not. So the faster is better is probably the most unrealistic aspect of the movie which if you've seen the movie might make you laugh because the violence the throwing of a chair the uh, verbal insults the verbal abuse the competition actually all of that is very realistic i have an anecdote that i saved for this podcast which is when i joined the big band there were actually four women in the big band so four out of 20 or whatever and that was a record number there had never been that many so the band leader actually had to stop referring to the players as cocksuckers because it actually just got too true he's like well there's girls here i can't call these dudes cocksuckers anymore so that's actually real the sexism is real the competition is real ali asked me could a teacher really throw a chair at a at a student no he couldn't throw a chair at a student but he could throw a chair You know, he can't hit a student, but he can throw a chair. People can get very angry. And wait, have you witnessed someone throwing a chair? I've heard anecdotes. Fortunately, I was not involved. See, being a woman in jazz does have its perks because I'm not usually the direct recipient of the anger, but I've definitely seen anger directed to others. That's really shocking to find out. That's the most realistic part of this movie. Not playing faster, not the blood. The blood takes it a little bit too far, but the, the abuse and the competition, the mental state, totally real and the whole crux of this is a metaphor back to a story that is true historically there was a jazz drummer named joe jones who threw a cymbal at jazz saxophonist charlie parker because he had embarrassed himself by playing badly so this is the metaphor that returns time and time again sort of what this teacher is trying to do he's trying to force greatness out of this student but everything changes at the big moment of this movie so we hit this point where Andy has a show somewhere. I don't think it's any kind of a special show, but he's on a bus and the bus is slow or something and he's running late. Well, it's a competition, you see. So it's very important, even though there's maybe four people in the audience. Okay, it's, it's a competition. super important, yeah. Okay, so he's running late and he rents a car and he tries to get there in time. He actually does get there in time, but 
He's already been replaced by one of those other drummers he was competing with, by Terrence Fletcher. And it turns out he forgot his drumsticks. Yeah. He can't use anybody else's drumsticks, of course, or anything else. He has to use his. Basically, the movie orchestrates it in a way in which he has to go back and get his stuff and then rush back one more time. And when he's doing that, the music is really frantic and the camera's moving fast and he gets in this car accident. And he leaves the car accident site injured. Oh, he's got that blood. He limps onto stage determined to play the song. And he does for the first maybe minute of the tune. And then when he literally can't because his fingers are broken, he just has to accept that that's it. He's done because Terrence Fletcher told him that if you don't play the song perfectly then you're out. You're done. Again, all or nothing. And realizing that his dreams are completely ruined, or so he thinks, he finally just unleashes all this anger against Fletcher and assaults him. And that leads to his expulsion. And his expulsion leads to filing a suit against the teacher, and then the teacher gets fired. And yeah, they end up both not doing what they wanted to do. I would say I felt that the movie was almost over, actually when he assaults the teacher. Like, I thought that was, like, the big end of the movie. No, man, but it's got to one-up himself, like Rob said. There needs to be an even bigger humiliation. It felt like a climax, but, yeah, it didn't have that natural ending feel. Yes. When he reconnects with Andy, they just happen to run into each other at a bar where Fletcher's performing because he's now, I guess, basically unemployed and just trying to make money by doing these gigs. They reconnect and they talk and they... And they share this kind of common idea of what they're aspiring for. Like Fletcher wants to find the next Charlie Parker. He wants to create the next Charlie Parker by being the Joe Jones who throws a symbol. Yes. Mm -hmm. He invites Andy to kind of short notice, join him as the drummer for someone who just kind of backed out to the last moment. And it's a big deal. I think it's at the Lincoln Center, which is a hub for big band jazz in New York. And the big final stakes are that... If you do well in this performance, the world's your oyster. Well, in the the jazz world's your oyster. (laughs) Or, as Fletcher tells him, people will never forget if you mess up. Because those people never forget anything. It turns out that they're playing a song that Andy has never seen before. And I kind of want to ask you about that, Rob, because it ends up going disastrously. He just can't keep up with them. He doesn't know what they're doing. And... The other band members are getting angry. And I was just curious to know, would a really great drummer, as this character is supposed to be, be just unable to follow along with a song like that? That song? I think probably, yeah. I think that would mess anybody up. It was, <laughs> it was like pretty a, hard, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it was a pretty complex song. Also, we need to realize that this drummer, he's aspiring to greatness. He hasn't realized it yet. Mm-hmm. He hasn't had that moment. That takes his talent to the next level. Yes, the moment happens after he's completely humiliated by not being able to play that tune. And leaves the stage, or is about to leave the stage. He's about to leave the stage, and he says, screw this, I have one more shot, I'm going to humiliate my teacher now. And he just basically takes control of the whole show. He starts playing the drums, playing a crazy solo. He tells the band leader, no, he cues the bass player to come in and start playing. And then they play a killer version of Caravan. And it was pretty good, gotta say, pretty. Pretty good. And then the movie ends. A very it abrupt ends ending. after an epic drum solo where a light comes down from the ceiling and like illuminates him and he makes eye contact with his teacher and they like share this godly moment and his dad's like watching from the side stage and he sees the godly moment 
and then it ends. He was very buddy rich in that moment. This leads us to the question, did the end justify the means? Is that what the movie's saying? He achieved greatness. I think we agree that that's clear. That's what they were going for. So was it okay that he was abused this entire time? Is suffering important for art? I think he would probably say so. I think he he would probably say that that's what led to his greatness. Whether he is right about that, I guess nobody will know. At the end, when, when he finally outperformed the teacher, Fletcher was not expecting him to, I, I don't think. I think no. that surprised no. him. He was just him. doing it out of vindictiveness. Yeah. Yeah, he was just trying to get revenge. So, yeah, th- that's what I mean. I, I'm not really sure what the, the movie is trying to uh, convey about about that. I'm not even sure if the movie is really trying to say this is good or bad or just showing this these two characters' lives. But, I mean... Is that a failing of the movie or is it trying to just present people as they are? I honestly, I really liked this movie, if that's not clear up until this point. I liked it and I even liked the ending, even though I disagree with the premise that through suffering we can achieve greatness. I think it's absolutely detrimental actually to the development of a person and an artist and just a creative being. Maybe the movie is trying to show both sides because there is like a sort of a side story that happens in the background of one of that same teacher's previous students who does end up playing in the Lincoln Center Jazz Orchestra. He achieves great things and he commits suicide at another point in his life. And the family suggests that his mental illness started when he was studying under that teacher, which seems like a bit of a stretch, but that's what they say. So maybe for each artist who does achieve greatness under intense amounts of pressure, a lot of people fall by the wayside. And from my experience, I think I'd be in the latter camp, falling by the wayside, because it is tough. There is something in this movie that really does that well. It's just, I don't think a lot of the things that were in the movie served that thing well. If I was to ask someone who's seen this movie, what do you remember most about it? They'll say the not quite my tempo catchphrase. They'll they'll say the yelling and the screaming and throwing of things and that car accident and the blood. One of the things that struck me watching it uh, with you, Shannon, that time just a couple days ago was... The scene, quiet scene, this is after they reconnect and they've both kind of lost their dream and Fletcher just kind of explains what he's all about and how he's been trying to find that Charlie Parker and it's just a scene of two people talking. And that's, I guess, the closest the movie comes to getting the core of what Fletcher is really about. And those kinds of scenes are very few and far between in this movie. Most of the movie is dedicated to this uh, one-upping thing, these insanely high stakes and i really wish that this movie had took the time to have more of those kinds of scenes between him and his father between him and this girlfriend maybe finding out some way of him to kind of just explore his own inner monologue because you really don't see anything of him beyond anger when things aren't going his way or just obsessive training like it's a rocky movie that would be one of my fixes I think uh, that that scene you mentioned, where um, Andy catches uh, Fletcher playing just a, in a in a trio, playing in a jazz bar, and I think that's the only scene in the movie that I remember where people actually enjoy playing music. In every other scene, it's just this pursuit, this grueling pursuit, characterized by anger and violence. But like, there's so few parts in the movie do people actually enjoy the music that they're playing. Yeah, all that seemed really realistic to me. I don't remember enjoying a lot of the music that I was playing when I was in jazz school. I don't remember a lot of people in the audience (laughs) enjoying it either. 
But if I, I think I do concede to your points, and if I could offer one fix, it would be maybe just to tone down a little bit the exaggeration. You know, like through the dialogue and the acting, maybe that in itself should be enough to convey the stress and the pressure, not like, see the blood, see the sweat, you know? I mean, if you just look at how the other characters in this movie, in this world, are depicted, they're the rivaling drummers. One is a prick to Andy, and the other one is kind of a douchebag to him. And that's all they are, and that's all that matters in this movie. The girlfriend is just a love interest, so he can be mean to her. She's not a character in her own right. It's just she's there for him to be mean, and they cast someone who is nice and cute and likable girl next door just so he can be mean to her. And that's what it really comes down to. The things in this movie are just there to make this kind of plot point. And I didn't really feel like this was a lived-in world beyond just this little piece of this obsession, which it just milks for two hours. I mean, I remember asking you uh, when we were watching that one scene of the three drummers that if I was watching this movie and I didn't know anything about the world of music, I'd think drumming is like the most important thing in a band. And an instructor's always focused on the drumming. Now listen to me right here. It's the saxophone. The saxophone is the most important. That's why every band has a saxophone. Uh, what instrument do you play? <laughs> That's a, joke. a saxophone? That is a joke. Our final judgments. Rob, you want to go first? Is Whiplash fixable, fine just as it is, or damaged beyond repair? I have I have problems with it. I think it's definitely fixable. What I the main thing I th- I think the movie needed was something to explain the motivations of the characters because they are cartoonish. I think that's pretty apparent. Like, J.K. Simmons' character is so over the top, and that's kind of the point of the movie, but it's not really explained by anything. He has this one anecdote about how this great jazz musician historically attained attained greatness because he was motivated by abuse at the end of the day. But, you know, it wasn't really tied to his life. Like, I, I I was waiting for a scene where, like, a flashback of, like, his dad treating him that way or something and that's what what made him a great musician but there really wasn't anything like that his motivation was just uh yeah it wasn't explained and it's just kind of something that you had to accept i guess yeah and the same could be said for a lot of the other characters i agree so a little bit more backstory and the the movie was it didn't need all of the the same scenes of fletcher you know throwing chairs and and slapping Andy in the face you know they could have toned that down a little bit cut cut some of that out and added some more backstory to explain the motivations of the characters made it a little bit more relatable Shannon fixable damaged beyond repair I think we know or your neither. answer neither yeah I still I hold true to my original opinion that I like this movie and although maybe I guess from hearing my my colleagues here speak about the film that could have been made more relatable on an emotional level to to people who don't know what the world of jazz is like so i think that's a fair point but i was just kind of appreciative that there was a movie about my people and my experiences because it's very rare you know doctors get a whole bunch of stuff about them lawyers crime scene investigators you know but here, here's the here's a little jazz flick and so i won't apologize for enjoying it so is that atmosphere somewhat inherent to jazz mu- music like the the culture of violence and is that yes <laughs> actually you thank you to? for thank you for mentioning that because there is actually something uh the cutting contest um sort of vibe which is back in the day so people didn't 
learn jazz in universities in the 50s and the 40s and 30s. It was really organic and people did mentor each other, but people would go to jam sessions and they would play and you'd sort of see if you could cut it or not. So it was a cutting contest like, okay, what do you got? How fast can you play? Oh, can you play this tune? What tunes do you know? It's a very, I think inherently kind of violent. I don't, I don't know if violence is the right word, but definitely machismo, I would say. It's like kind of show up and show your stuff and play. And for me as a, you know, a woman from Edmonton in a middle-class world like that, I was very far removed from that. So I found it a pretty toxic environment that is still kind of inherent to the music of jazz. At its bare bones, jazz is about freedom of expression. And so it's a shame that there's been this sort of masculine competitive aspect about it for the longest time. You know, maybe if we went back 50, 60 years and asked people how they thought about it, they wouldn't feel that way. But in hindsight, the way history progressed and the way it turned into an academic institution, I think it really is ingrained. Wow. I didn't, I didn't realize that uh, <laughs> rang true or that was a somewhat accurate depiction of the, the jazz culture. Yeah. Even like improv battles were a thing. So you could like trade choruses or trade fours and like, you know, on the one hand, it could be seen as, you know, a conversation creating music together, but there is sort of a battle element to it. It's really weird. And I remember that happening as soon as I was in high school. I was like, oh, it's going to be a sax battle. You know, it's a little bit silly. And I don't know exactly what point that that became institutionalized, but it, it definitely exists. Ali, do you think it's fixable or damaged beyond repair? This one's kind of hard for me to answer because it's hard to criticize it in a way. But at the same time, I can't really say one or two things is going to fix it. So I, I, I guess I have to say it's damaged beyond repair. And I think it really really says a lot to me that this movie started as a short film. Damien Chazelle, he actually wrote a full movie script, but he could only get a little short film made. And I think what it was was that people, whoever were in charge, could see that this movie is tough as a sell, as a whatever, one hour, 50 minute movie. And I think it's right there. I think you can be authentic to what you're trying to convey in this world in a scene or two, in trying to capture that energy. But when you're making a movie and you include all these characters and intricate parts and you have to think about the structure and how to engage people, I think this movie kind of sold itself short by focusing on one-upping itself and I would have cut all of that out. I would have fleshed out characters that this movie dedicated time to but then didn't consider important enough to give a proper purpose or a proper insight into. And so I would say (laughs) if I had to give a fix is delete this one and just make it a 45 minute short or something, 20 minute short, just leave it at that. It will have its impact, will have its punch, we'll get that great performance by J.K. Simmons and we'll get all we need to from it because it really is just this idea and as a two-hour movie almost two-hour movie I don't think it's sustainable or that it works. Damage beyond repair like the egos of every graduate of a collegiate jazz program. Very deep. You'll get the hate mail afterwards. Before we sign off we wanted to just share some recommendations for things we've been watching lately. Rob anything come to mind? I want to recommend a movie I saw recently. It's called One Cut of the Dead. It's a Japanese zombie movie, and it's a good contrast to Whiplash, I find, whereas Whiplash, I say, suffers from being a little bit one note. One Cut of the Dead is a truly unpredictable experience. You really don't know what you're getting, and it changes directions multiple times throughout the film. It stays fresh, and I think it really pays off in the end. I loved it. I've been recommending it to many people, all my friends lately. Including me? Including you, yeah. I'm someone who's really tired of zombie movies. So would you say that this is something that would bring a different kind of experience? It's definitely different. And it's also not about what you think it is about at the beginning of the movie. 
Okay. I am intrigued. Shannon, any recommendations? I'm going to continue with my tradition of recommending somewhat trashy viewing material. If you will recall the last time I recommended a reality TV show, and this time I'm going to recommend a very silly kind of raunchy comedy called The Little Hours, which is like an Audrey Plaza, Molly Shannon, Alison Brie casted comedy, which takes place in a medieval Italian nunnery, but they speak modern day English and get up to a bunch of sinful things. And it was pretty funny. I liked it. What a strange idea. I mean, is it is it trying to kind of pick pick on the you know hypocrisies of religion and yeah, women's? Okay, I got so, it. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, yeah. One of them's like secretly a witch. It, it goes all over. And place. she's actually a witch. Yeah. Spoiler alert! But sorry, that's, <laughs> that sounds pretty good. Okay, and I would recommend. It's hard to say because I haven't seen anything lately that's really blown me away. But I would recommend a gangster movie I saw called Bugsy. This one's about a famous gangster who people are into. You know mob kind of stuff crime drama might be familiar with uh, benjamin bugsy siegel he's commonly credited with being the mobster who started las vegas and brought the casinos and all that stuff there and this movie is basically a biopic about his life it stars warren Beatty, who he was a pretty big actor in the 80s and 90s he's kind of not really on the radar anymore but at his peak he was like robert de niro level fame i would say anyone who likes mobster movies crime dramas I think would enjoy a little bit of a different take on this one because Bugsy, he's very flamboyant. He's kind of violent, but he's also a romantic. So he has this whirlwind affair with a famous Hollywood actress. And a lot of the movies about their torrid romance where they kind of talk to each other and realize that they're kind of doomed from the start, but they still go ahead and do it. And I liked how it kind of puts you really in that 50s, 40s setting where you're in this guy's life. You realize he's crazy and irrational and probably doing things that are going to doom him or get him killed but you're there for the ride so yeah if you like goodfellas casino and you just haven't haven't seen this movie bugsy i recommend it and it is on netflix so thank you for joining us this is fix this flick we'll be back soon and i'm hoping to have rob with me again and shannon as well you're always welcome bye Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Adieu, arrivederci, and goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>